0: Assalamu alaikum. Very good morning, everyone. I'm Dina, the moderator for today's session and discussion, Women Writing the Body. So we have four illustrious women writers. I'll just give a brief description. (coughs) To my extreme right would be Amina Hussein, who is a Sri Lankan sociologist, writer, and editor. She's published two collections of short stories, one novel, edited three children's books, one book of erotica, I'll talk to you later, and many essays on current affairs in journals and magazines. Her debut novel, The Moon in the Water, was long-listed for the first Man-Asian Literary Award in 2007. Next to Amina is someone that I think all Malaysians are familiar with. We call her mama, Regina Ibrahim, who I met in a market maybe like 10 over years ago, and she came up and said, I want to write. How do I write? And I just said, look, basically what you need to do is just sit down, you know, and just write. And, you know, 10 years later, here she is. (laughs) So we'll be talking, uh, discussing things like HRT, menopause, and things that we women had to go through. Right. We have Kim. Yes. So Kim is... Kim Ye-doom? right. She's published six books of poetry, one novel, and two essays in Korean. English translations of a poem are available in Up*, Femme Fatale, and Hysteria. Her writings have also been turned into a play, The Metamorphosis, and an independent film, After School. Next to me would be Hiromi Ito, who's one of the most prominent writers of Japan. Debuting in the 1970s, she's known for exploration of feminism, migrant culture, and shamanism in her writings. She's won many Japanese literary prizes, including the Noma Literary Prize for New Writers, Takami Jun Prize, Hagiwara Sakutaro Prize, and Izumi Shikibo Now, we've been told to speak very loudly because they're taping our session, so if it sounds like we're shouting, we really apologize, but we've been told to do that. So, (laughs) you know, I'm the moderator, I just follow orders. Okay, so maybe to start things off, we're going to have like, you know, very easy questions, and I'll start interviewing everyone but I'm hoping the panelists won't feel so shy as to, I mean, you may jump in if you agree or disagree, or you want to add on to your fellow colleagues' you know, comments, and then we'll have a Q&A session. And after that, for the next five minutes, we'll ask the four writers to read from their works in their language, or in English, or in whatever, you know, in however way they wish to communicate. So, here we are, four women writers. And my first question to the four of you and feel free to jump in or not reply if you don't want to. How do you, as women, as writers, look and understand your own body? How do you look at your body and approach your work? So, I'll Pumas, Mama.
1: Would
0: you like? You know me? <laughs> Kim, would you like to answer that? Oh. Nobody <laughs> <Okay>. wants
1: to. I <laughs> yeah. well, let the host country take over. Okay, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna take you back down to the memory lane in the in the '80s. Okay, so stay with me. Don't dollars. American Express will do nicely. Thank you. <laughs> I wanna make a million dollars. I want to live out by the sea have a husband and some children Yes, I guess I want a family But all these men come to these places All these men, they're all the same You don't look at their faces And you don't even ask their name There was an excerpt from Private Dancer sharing hopes and dreams of a woman from a dingy area in their life, okay? I grew up reading some female magazine, and I believe all of these female editors were busy quoting titles for their magazine, all right? Okay, for six months, let's say for January, how to lose weight in the miraculous way. Second, uh, on February, how to love your partner through cooking. And in March, they'll say, how to attract the opposite sex. Okay? In April, 10 ways of, to be, uh, of becoming seductive. And then, May, in May, 10 steps to melt your fat. After May, what is that? August, all right? In August, how to bake a delicious cheesecake and eat it too. So, uh, in, the ni- in, in the 80s, okay, we were bombarded with all of these uh, social constructs, demand among, uh, among the society about how females should look like and everything. And that left me with a huge confusion as a trans woman. So, I grew up being very confused, okay, but then you guys should look at me 20 years ago, I look absolutely fabulous. <laughs> Okay, but then again, as a trans woman, you know, I was laden with uh, all sort of insecurities. And I'm not alone. I noticed that some cisgender female, too, were facing the same problem, okay? Uh, we were demanded to look uh, ultra-feminine, uh, having a white skin, you know, a long, lustrous hair, looking good all the time. So, for a trans woman, okay, uh, it is like uh, double their struggle, all right? And that's the time when I I started writing, I concentrate on uh, becoming a little bit feminist, okay? Talking about how People all around them are using their insecurities, body insecurities, yeah, as as, as a way of making a profit, all right? And um, for my trans community, it is very is essential for me to start talking about uh, HRT, that is a hormone replacement therapy, which is very dangerous. To transhuman and also to cisgender female, alright. And I will always emphasize about finding the right uh, medical practitioners, uh, an expert endocrinologist. Okay, that is very very important. And of course, uh, um, you know, while fighting for image, okay, while 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 struggling to 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 have a. Uh, an image that people will adore uh, some uh, trans women okay will succumb to uh, HR treat, uh, treatment um, from the black market meaning buying pills from uh, pharmacies and without any prescriptions and everything which is very very dangerous so that shows how uh, we, we, we are really uh, concerned our, about our body image all right? And from time to time, uh, when I started to seriously write, okay, I, I focus more about how to how how do I encourage uh, women, okay, to embrace themselves, okay, how to embrace their genetic, and how to accept themselves as what they are. So uh, until today, until today, in year two thousand nineteen, we are still facing uh, some insecurities. Okay, but I strongly believe okay, uh, the young generation of uh, women okay, and trans women in Malaysia need to look at it uh, as, uh, as, 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 a, as a very important avenue for them to recognise their body, to respect their body, to respect their mind, and at the same time uh, to understand what is their purpose of roaming this earth. Okay, I think that's about it for, for now.
0: Thank you, Regina. Kim, um, on that note, right, from the little that I have not been to your country, but I have many, many fashion editors who say you have got to go to Korea, it is the epitome of Asian beauty, you know, the mass, you know, the, there's a lot of emphasis on physicality there. And I was wondering, as a writer who, under, you know, who, who observes this from, you know, from the feminist uh, perspective, from a political perspective, how do you see this, this race to be beautiful? Is it something that you approach in your work, or you don't?
2: Uh, many students. So I will small lecture for you. <laughs> Writing about the accurate feminine, right?
3: No, 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 I'm listening. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> it has been since the 1970s, the uh, the French feminist, you know? So in particular, Helen Six said through uh, Medusa Raff, women write in white ink. White ink, you know? You know Julia Christopher? You know where? Julia Christopher, she said Jewish songs. What is reasons? Poetic language is the term that um, oversees sexual pleasure, maybe orgasm uh, subversion, transformation, revolution um, the women language mental ill. Feminine experience, writing of a body never be ex- expressed in society of logos centricism, centricism, ideology of uh, modeling. Mother- so, and yet, anyway, writing over the whole body. I have nobody, could you see me? I have nobody, I died a long time ago. The moment my parents divorced and I abandoned, I died the the first time. When I killed my baby in the hospital, falling, I died the second time. I die every day, man-centered society, at university, at uh, home. Because I don't have a mouth and language system. I die every day, every time in Korea, father, society, nation, where well, misogyny is overflowing now. You you can see me. So I am not here. I'm a ghost writer. I write, I wrote several poems as a ghost poet. For example, I wrote some poem, the title, uh, one is uh, The Ghost Writer in the Countryside. Another one, I didn't write this poem. Uh, uh, Or, The title, Dead Bow. another thing. The Phantom of the Opera, and um, many works. In another of my poem, the title, Last Woman of a Blue Bird, or Blue Bird's Last Last Wife. Uh, There is a piece of my book, who will read it for me?
0: Read a piece. Kim's work. Blue beard's last wife. My key is bleeding. My dictionary is also bleeding. My beard is bleeding, and my bad teeth fell out for no reason. My voice got thicker. The wrinkle got thicker, and the rat still in the desk drawer disappeared. Just like in the rumor, I wander around. Spending equal amounts of time in a basement and above ground, fair and square. One eye tears up, the other eyeball is dry as a bone. Both my legs are covered with hair, but just up to the knees. Half of my genitals have blood trickling out. The right side of my crotch has come trickling down. This happens maybe once every hundred years. Ha ha ha, just kidding. I was just rambling in a fantastical voice that is neither feminine nor masculine, neither alive nor dead. It is trendy to speak like that, you know? Yes, exactly. I'm too lazy even to speak. There, there, stop sending me hair appellators and mousetraps. I don't even know what to do with all these lice-ridden wigs. All these fruits carved up and arranged. Enough trash. Stop lighting scented candles or incense beside my, uh, beside my head. I'm gonna die. Really, I told you. No more lumps of flowers tied up in a bundle. A dead rose once told me, you're so beautiful.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, a very long poem, but she's, she read a uh, half minute. Yeah, maybe half. Thank you so much. So, so, so uh, I am neither feminine nor masculine, neither alive nor died. Therefore, I have a, uh, I have a no gender, genderless. I I am ghost poem poet.
0: All right. Do you love me? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. All right. So now, we'll go to our right, Amina. So you've written a book about a young Muslim woman who has a perfect life. And you know, as a Muslim writer, yeah, I used to write many years ago, I've stopped. But you know, we Muslim women, we have a lot of, uh, I want to say, burdens. Baggage. baggage. Yeah, you're right. So how do you approach it as a Muslim woman, you know, when you write, oh my God, is not politically correct. It does not represent us Muslim women or a girl. At the same time, this is how I really feel as a Muslim woman, I feel strongly about this. So how do you approach the body, the Muslim woman in your books and writing?
4: So I think I should, hello, first, hello everybody. And I'm so privileged and happy to be up on stage with these wonderful women here. Uh, So I think I should first set the stage, I come from a very traditional, uh, somewhat liberal Muslim Sri Lankan family, but liberal only towards the men because the men were encouraged to study, but the girls had very, uh, very grounded ambitions, or told, you know, you can be a teacher, you can be, you know, a music teacher, an elocution teacher, we weren't told we had to go to university. But all the reading matter that we were given were Ine Blyton, Agatha Christie, and so for. and we were a colony, a British colony. So for the longest time, me and my friends grew up thinking we were white. (laughs) We thought we wanted to eat strawberries and cream. The first time I landed in England in the dead of winter, I wanted strawberries and cream. I wanted to eat crumpets, I wanted peach-tinged cheeks. And we thought we were that, because growing up in in the 1970s, it was a socialist era, we didn't have, you know, all the makeup and we never looked in the mirror even, I think, we were just always outside. And added to that, as a Muslim woman, where you're taught uh, the rules of modesty, and because I am, I was born in a non-Muslim country, I could see, my friends wearing shorts, strappy dresses, strappy tops, uh, sleeveless, and I wanted to dress like that, but I couldn't. And when I asked my mom why, she said, because you're a Muslim girl. But my mother also must have been a child like me because she relented and allowed us to wear shorts in the house, and we could wear whatever we wanted in the house, but when we left the house, we had to cover our shoulders, cover our legs. But I remember one time we went on holiday, my sister and I, to the beach, my sister and I were wearing shorts. The car broke down in the, in a little Muslim town. And the first thing my mother said when she realized it was Muslim, she's like, don't call each other by the names because then people would know we were Muslim. And she wanted us to pass off as Sinhalese or Tamil children. But as I grew older, I, I loved to wear, I wanted to wear strapless and strappy and sleeveless and shorts. And I got married at the age of 19 and I went to America to study. And you have something called prom in America, which is uh, when you graduate and you have a prom ball. And I went to buy a prom dress and I chose a strapless, pepto-bismol pink dress and my then husband, my first husband, so I was 19, right, so he told me, I don't like that dress and I said, okay, come out, we need to have a chat. He was 21, so we were like babes. Sat down in the mall and I said, for 19 years, my parents have been telling me what to wear. I didn't marry you for now for the rest of my life for you to tell me what to wear. This is what I'm buying. (laughs) To give that man credit, I mean he was 21, so maybe he was like, he did think young at that time. Uh, He agreed and so that set the stage for how I thought about my body. And I just wrote the way I wanted to write, but I only published, I first published at the age of 32. Yeah, because I was not brave enough to publish under my own name before
0: that. Hiromi, hey, yeah. it's your turn now? Yeah, sure. Okay. okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and my problem is I know, uh,
3: other people's talking, I'm really watching their mouths because, <laughs> yeah, the, because my English is not really good, I think, but then also my hearing is not really good. I'm are wearing a hearing aid, but then uh, it really helps me to watch. So people are feeling uncomfortable and they're asking me, yeah, yeah, I went to the de- dentist today or something like that. So, you know, it's my, my kind of way. I'm so sorry. I didn't want, mean to. But anyway, uh, buddy. Oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm now 64. Uh, it's a very famous Beatles song, mm. right? And when I became my, you know, 64, my birthday, I was very pr- proud of myself at 64. And maybe I'm the oldest one among us, right? Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know, I have more uh, anyway. So when I was 18, I was seriously suffered by eating disorder. In that time, I really reali- really realized my body, because you know, I really wanted to be kind of invisible or no one. Or wanted, I'm, maybe I wanted to die, but then I didn't want to die. So I wanted to be a skeleton, or I wanted to be something dead, but then alive, or something like that. So every day I was touching my, bon, you know, bones. Uh, oh yeah, it's bone here, bone here. Now oh, I am so flabby, I can't touch my bone, but you know, at that time I could touch it, and then that's actually that was the starting point of my poetry was kind of you know realize who i am which is my body which is not the sexual body towards men because i was doing masturbation i loved it and then i was writing about that not the sexual intercourse so you know it's always toward me and that's because also the generation so i my earlier generation was doing, you know, like a student movement or even the feminist movement. And they are really active in the society. Uh, my generation was not. So I was close and I close myself into my body. So that's how I've been kind of struggle with body. I really enjoy writing about that. So the very beginning of my career, I wrote about so dirty stuff. You know, everything, everything. I love poop, I, I love vomit, and I love everything. Instead, yeah. And then the menstruation, blood, and so on. So once you get into that world, and then since then, I have no fear to write anything. Yeah.
0: Great. Oh, yeah. I've certainly woken up this morning. <laughs> Okay, um, one of the things I think that we women of a certain age, right, we discuss and this actually started out with a short email from Regina to me saying that I want to talk about HRT and the challenges that trans women go through and, you know, when I came here, I had surgical menopause. I'm sorry, I am obsessed with menopause, okay. I Google everything about HRT and all that because I'm suffering. <laughs> and uh, we started talking, you know, and she was saying, you're on Liville, Yes, I'm on Livial she says, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing this because HRT is not good. And we talked, as two women, you know, dealing with the issues that our body, you know, like whether it's aging or surgical and having, you know, and during breakfast today, we also had coffee and we talked about being writers and how. It's so exhausting. You are a writer, you're a woman, you're a wife, you're a girlfriend, you're everything. When does it stop? When do you give yourself permission, whether you're a man or woman, to just be and, you know, relax. So, Mama, over to you.
1: Well, uh, some, uh, some women will talk about body and body image casually, but most of them that I've encountered will, will, will take uh, their body uh, seriously, okay, uh, some uh, even contemplated uh, to, do, to, do, to do operation, be it minor or major surgery, okay, and in my case, I always uh, uh, detected that, uh, I always detect that I, I am very comfortable in my body, okay, when I was 15 years old, when I started wearing skirt and the men were ogling towards me, I feel that's an ac- accomplishment, okay, but then again, along the way, along the way, Uh, Please take note that uh, for the whole of my life, I was never considered as a slim girl, never, okay? There will always be someone telling me that I am fat, I am black, I am not beautiful, I look like an African girl, okay? So slowly it, 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 it tries to, to eat you in silence, okay? You go back and you look into the mirror and uh, there will come a time where you do not want to look into the mirror anymore, okay? So when I started writing, when I st- started writing, I will always want to uh, clarify this thing, okay? I don't write about myself. I'm not that narcissistic. Yeah. Okay. I will the, the the best part of writing fiction. Okay. Especially when dealing with women, you can always take all of these cases and uh, put it into a fiction, a fictional name and everything. So this is uh, this is the right time for me to talk about female and their body image or trans woman and their effort to look gorgeous. Due to social construct that is being created by their society around them, which I found very, very wrong. Okay, so uh, but then again, uh, in in Malaysia, the trend of uh, what we call it uh, pop literature okay uh, they, they will always want to uh, their, their their heroine to be beautiful okay submissive okay uh being jilted by the men and at the end of the day they will be swept by their prince charming and live heavily ever, ever ever after that will be a bestseller right my book my book uh, the lima satu deal with uh, four female okay four female uh uh, artists okay who, who join as a girls girls group okay, and they face a lot of problem okay dealing with men, dealing with their own body, dealing with images and everything okay and being styled by uh, people from the city okay and uh, in, in the Lima dua is even worse okay We talk about their pregnancy, how they give birth and everything. So look here uh, women, have so many things to endure for the whole of their life, okay? Uh, as, as, uh, as a holistic artist, I also paint, okay? Uh, I, I remember being hooked to a title that is called Menanti. Menanti, uh, if you were to translate that in English, means uh, you wait for the rest of your life, okay? Women, they wait for the rest of their life, okay? They waited for their first pu- uh, pu- uh, puberty. Then they waited for the right person. Right then, uh, when they, uh, they, they waited for their wedding day, right, and after that they waited for their uh, for, for their first uh, kelahiran birth, whatever it is, okay, and they wait and they wait and they wait, okay. At the same time, I just want to encourage my readers, okay, to take good care of their body, okay. When I uh, started talking about HRT, I am no expert, I am no expert, I am just uh, encouraging uh, my. Uh, female readers, my trans woman readers, to seek for the right endocrinologist in case their body is having problem, all right? Okay, seeking, seeking advice, Okay, the right, the, the, right, the, the right advice is very, very important, okay? Uh, being a woman, the moment you reach 35, you will have body image, okay? Then you reach 40, vertigo will start to seep in, okay? If you don't take good care of your body, so everything has to be injected in your fiction or if you are writing a serious uh, article, please address this matter, all right? And I found that uh, when I started talking about HRT, just for the sake of well-being, mm-hmm. all right? And uh, people will always look at me uh, in a different light. They say, oh, how, uh, how, how could this uh, writer are so confident talking about HRT when she's not a real woman? Okay? Little do they, uh, they, they, do they know that I've been living up, up my life as a woman for the rest of my life. I've been a girl for the rest of my life, okay? not only after I had my uh, sexual confirmation surgery. No, I'm always a woman. Okay? I'm close to my mother. I'm close to my uh, female sibling. Okay? I've interacted with so many women uh, in Malaysia. Okay? And most of them, if you generalise towards the end, they will come you know feeling down not happy with their body okay and as usual in malaysia okay we, we are not as 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 open or as 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 direct like what hiromi said okay talking about their uh, ejaculation you know talking about their uh, masturbation, okay, in terms of uh, fulfilling their body needs and everything, okay, that is, that is, uh, that is very far away from uh, Malaysia female uh, l- l- literary scene, okay. But now uh, in Malaysia, uh, alhamdulillah, we have seen uh, some female writers who are already coming up with, with, with this kind of topic about body image, uh, pleasing your body, pleasing your m- body, mind and soul. That is very important, all right? That is very important. So I guess uh, if you are young writers in this room, okay, please take note, we have to address this thing time to time, be creative in injecting that, okay? And in my latest uh, novel, okay, which I co-wrote with Fahmi Mustafa, I talk about life, Fahmi talk about death, okay? Uh, For my segment, I talk about a, a, a woman by the name of Sheila, who's having a body dysmorphic disorder, and how she's sick uh, for validation and everything, right? She's sick for uh, uh, validation and everything, feeling very insecure, right? Feeling very, very insecure. That, and that is in manusia. And for my next uh, up and coming novel that is entitled Australia, it's about three, uh, three girls, okay? Three young girls from Malaysia who went to Sydney, they meet then, and they meet, they, meet, they meet there and they started to encounter, uh, encounter life. And of course, more like it or not, they'll be dealing with their body, with their desire, with their new perspective.
0: Thank you. Kim wants to add a few comments. I want to
2: talk. <laughs> I don't know why I write a poem. I don't know the reason, but when I said I am crying, the same case, that is very natural. Ma- na- natural? Yeah. Natural. natural, yeah. A guy called me, hey, feminine point? Feminine point. Yeah, feminine point. i angry to him. Oh. I'm just a point. Feminine is go away. <laughs> so, writing poem is, uh, writing poem changes uh, my life. You're, you too. Um is the same, very sad thing, change into the beautiful, uh, things. Uh, for example, uh, my first poem is, uh, I, I, uh, when I nine years old, I entered the rice box. You know, rice box, big rice box, because I protect my parents. So my p- father hit me. Why you don't listen to your stepmom's say word? Why you say don't, don't call her mother? I didn't say, call her. Hi, hi, why you don't say mother? So my father hit me and I hide into the rice box. And then I write about my life. Mm, my maybe twenty-one years old. I the memory made me write. The poem is now uh, Pennsylvania University textbook. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> we'll publish uh, Pennsylvania University. Yeah. So uh, 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 I don't have a. I have nothing. Uh, I every day I you know every day I die, and then I alive alive again. Yeah. Uh, The power is the energy is uh, come to the poetry. Yeah. So, uh, hey guys, please write a poem. You are right, it's a change. Okay, thank you.
0: Amina, you're the sociologist here. Right. What are you observing from all this <laughs> comments?
4: <laughs> I'm actually going to talk about HRT, surprisingly. Oh, really? My favorite subject. <laughs> uh, but it's related to the body as well. Hormone replacement therapy. So when I was uh, 33, I got divorced in May, and I, my menstrual cycle stopped in June. But I didn't know anything, so I just thought that, okay, it'll keep coming. And in December, my parents were living in New Zealand, so I visited them for Christmas, and I went to see, a, is it a gynecologist, I think, yeah, a gynecologist. And she said that I've gone into menopause. And that was a big shock for me, <laughs> That I mean, at 33. But it goes, so my mom was with me, and the first thing she said, so I was dating someone else, I was dating my present husband, and she said, call him and tell him you have gone through, you're in menopause because he may not want to marry you. So then, because he may want to have children. And I called him and I said, I'm in menopause. And he said, fabulous, marry me. (laughs) And I did. But the, the second thing was, it was only after I went through menopause that I started talking to my mother and everybody about older relatives about their menopause and what they went through and I discovered my great-grandmother had also gone through menopause very early after having eight children and then I wondered why don't we talk about menopause as children your parents are going through your mothers and your aunts and your grandmothers and aunts are all going through this cycle of life and they keep it so quiet and you never know that this major change is happening in their body even though we are girl children and i was so i hadn't still got married and i must have been okay during menopause because subsequently all my girlfriends went through menopause they were rabid they shouted at me they fought every day and they said oh we're going through menopause (laughs) i'm like hey I courted during menopause and that man still married me. (laughs) So, it may not have been so bad. But when I went to live in Switzerland, that doctor put me on HRT and I did not know anything. I thought it was a wonder drug and I took it for five years and then I read, there was a small article in the, I had come back to Sri Lanka at that time, a small article in the Sri Lankan newspapers that said this particular drug I was taking Uh, can cause cancer and I just stopped what really annoyed me was that I had to go through the hot flashes again having gone through it five years ago and then you take this HRT and when you stop it you go through it again I was really annoyed and uh, so I I wanted to say that the other thing I want to talk about is female desire so when I decided to do this erotic book, this book of erotica, and I asked for calls for stories. I decided to write a story about a Muslim woman who wears hijab, actually who wears (laughs) abaya, but who still feels sexual desire. Because there's a tendency when you see Muslim women who are all covered up, that they are desexualized. And you somehow think that they're just, they're just objects. But I wanted to show that there was this Muslim woman, who is all covered up, but who still initiates and who has a, a small sexual adventure as well. Thank
0: you. Right, Hiromi would like to add on to a few things, and after that, we'll break for a Q and a session. So yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, so I
3: supposed to talk about the menopause? No, not necessarily. <laughs> you don't have to talk about menopause. No, because you know, when I met uh, Amina, we were talking about the menopause and oh my I, God, I told we're her obsessed. how much I enjoyed it. So, you know, last maybe 10 years, I was writing about the menopause. Uh, around the 45 to 55, I was so interested in the menopause. And then uh, before that, uh, like a 30 to 45, I was writing just about the six. I opened up the door of sex with a men and I really enjoyed it. I really wanted to tell people about how wonderful sex is. And then after that, how wonderful menopause is. And then <laughs> actually, you know, at that time I felt, you know, I was having a lots of, you know, urge, you know, kind of desire in my life. And then I kind of messed up everybody's life. <laughs> not only me, but my daughters, my husbands, uh, my men, and everybody. You know, and my parents. But and this, all
0: right. huh? being a creative person, you allowed
3: like to do that. You, and then I was writing about my my life, so it's always kind of good material for me. It is. So it is. oh, it is. Oh, but then, when I had a menopause, then I thought, oh, everything was not my fault. Everything was my hormones' fault. So my hormone made me this way. So now I'm very clean, and then I can see things so well. But then, as you said, you, I think you said, you know, now I'm interested in death, death. In death, death. That's only oh, the big death, a big, death. Yeah. big death. What is small death? <laughs> is small
2: death? After sex, huh? After sex. Okay. So
3: I'm talking about death, which people. A chunk, okay, <laughs> and then uh, I was, you know, I'm 64. I told people, and then uh, I was watching my parents dying, and my husband dying, my dogs dying, and so, and watching, and then I'm a, I'm a plant lover, so I was, I've been watching plants dying, you know, and uh, all deaths are related to our lives. And so interesting. And then maybe this time, you know, I'm older than you guys, so now I'm reaching the place, you know, you never reached. And then now here I'm here watching all people's deaths. It's uh, wonderful. And how, (laughs) no, seriously, death is so interesting, and any death is so different. And then uh, they die, and then where to go? And then I don't want to think about, uh, you know, lives and so on. You know, one time, you know, I was working and my dog died here. And then I, you know, under my desk. And then I could hear her voice, you know, like, a, you know, heavy breathing. And then I got into writing and then, oh, no, no sound. Then she was gone. Then, you know, she was here, breathing, alive, and now she's dead here. The same body is here. And what was gone? So I was thinking about that. And also, I was living in California for 20 years, and California is facing to the Pacific Ocean, and I loved watching the sunset. And any sunset is the same. But then, California, so green sky, and then the sun is sinking, and then sinking, and then last these minutes, they stopped sinking, and then gone, and that's exactly what my father died. That's exactly what my my husband died. My mother died, and then. Uh, Dying is like that, so this is rather young people. I'm telling that kind of story to the young, you know Japanese audience, which is older than me, so they love this story, but then this is young people, so maybe wrong wrong theme so now another one minute i'm so sorry, so now you know I'm teaching in a university about writing, and you said you know write poetry, and I really agree with you and then uh, so I thought poetry, you can't teach. I thought so. But then I started to teach poetry, writing poetry, writing short stories. They can learn. And then uh, writing is almost like a, uh, I don't know the word. Analyze, ana, right? no, no, anatomy? What is anatomy? The body. Oh yeah, it's almost like anatomy. So you put the mess Like this, and open up, and then, uh, oh, this is your heart, this is your kidney, or something like that. It's almost like that. So, writing really helps your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a dissection. Yeah, something like that. All
4: right. Okay, Amina, you wanted
0: to add something?
4: I want to add a morbid story about death. I'm not sure whether I should. Why not? Since we're talking about it, so why not? It's it's related to the body. So when, a little bit later, I've had really horrible help. So a little bit later, I got cancer. And it was quite bad. And so I became, I was, I was born obsessed with death. In my family, they always talk about death. Death is perfectly normal. We watch lots of people die. So in the middle of my treatment, soon after I finished my treatment, I was going out to dinner with my husband and some friends when my mother gives me a call saying, Uh, Your aunt is dying and you wanted to watch a death, so hurry up and come. (laughs) So, so my husband drops me off at the death house and they go off and have dinner. I mean, I didn't think they would be so callous. And then I rush into the room and now, like there are five or six of us and they're all watching. And I'm watching with special intent because it might be me and I I was... I kind of was watching because I wanted in the terms of education, you know, like am I going to go through this? And it was so almost magical, you know, the way she died that uh, I was kind of happy and content and I went back and told everyone I watched
0: to death. Okay, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Certainly a very interesting morning. So, okay, what we're going to do now is we're going to open to the floor for a Q&A session. So just, you know, um, tell me your name and go straight to the questions.
5: Okay. Hi, uh, my name is Vesha. I have three questions for the entire panel. Uh, should you be willing to answer? Uh, the first one is based on this playwright, Arto. his idea of body without organs, this idea of imagining the body without the construct of what we know, if you had the ability to, say, meet God or, or in whatever you believe in and go like, hey, I, I want to decide how I look, how I embody, beyond what we understand as legs, arms, eyes, what would that look like for you? Uh, the second question is, how do you talk about trauma and violence that has happened onto your body? Um, how do you describe it? How do you transcend Um, if that is something that you do within your work? What is the language you use? The third question is if, which is kind of related to the first, if we lived in a world where sexuality and oppression and the difficulty that we face as female bodies did not exist, how would you speak about this existence? to begin with. If it's not sexuality, it's not about masturbation, if it's not about HRT or the hormones or the things that are so explicit, what would that look like?
1: I'll answer the first one Yeah, Okay, the first one I've been writing about it. Okay, uh, Malaysians are so used, uh, to be translating intersex as kunsa, which is very wrong because when when we, in Malaysia when you say kunsa, they always think oh uh, meaning that particular person has vagina and 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 penis at the same time. No, okay, intersex is is wider than that, and I've been educating uh, some of my readers about. Uh, the real intersect which is uh, prevail now in Malaysia some of the we are not going to call them victim some of these uh, these intersect people they are going around uh, explaining to the to, to 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 a certain small community about their existence all right and you must you must remember it is intersex is also related to body okay it is not necessarily happen to a female or male it happened to just that particular person okay uh, it could be a a, a, a female uh, a female person uh, on the id but without breast okay without womb okay and, and we have already started talking about this in in, in Malaysia before I think uh, we don't talk about it Dina we just assume that oh oh that one that lady she cannot brana you know she, she cannot she cannot give birth okay she's very unlucky blah 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 okay and uh, on international level they have already uh, listed uh, a, a guidance where uh, an intersex child should not be operated uh, without his consent until he, he he or she reach puberty okay and the number two in the tree uh, yeah there are some intersex going around uh, explaining uh, about it but they don't call themselves intersect there's another term for it W something something yeah okay right and uh, some of these uh, intersect in Indonesia and Malaysia they, they, they have chosen to to keep quiet okay yeah, intersect. Uh, meaning uh, there, there were a few cases where uh, uh, somebody who went to girls' school and end up uh, uh, wearing boys' dress because uh, the, the the genitalia part, okay, is it, is uh, more male prevail. Meaning uh, they have penis rising up uh, when they reach 18 years old, okay. And as usual, this thing will be kept uh, silent, quiet because it's still a taboo. Okay, because we uh, we will always uh, be, be be wrong in, in, in uh, translating what kunsa means. Okay, kunsa means you have two genitals. No, that's not true. It is not necessarily true. All right.
3: Good. Mm-hmm. how can I? You have some idea. No, but I just want to say
4: that um, um, if you didn't have the organs, right, and you so to talk about it. For me, that's, the question is that, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of people may disagree, but it's patriarchy that makes us talk about these organs in these particular ways. And that's what we should defeat. It's not no organs, it is how we see them. So when I grew up as a child, if it wasn't a patriarchal uh, culture that I lived in, my life would have been very different. But it's because they saw the organs that I had in a particular way and they saw the organs that a male had in a more privileged way that they had these advantages. So I think we are never going to get to a state where we won't have the organs. We are going to have them in whatever form. It's how we treat the people who possess the breasts and the vagina and the penis.
3: I, I don't get the uh, uh, you know uh, question so well. I'm so sorry, and then uh, I got the misunderstanding. So, but then, uh, you know, if the question is, if you have a trauma or something, then how could you
5: write? Yes. Uh, how do you, how do you begin to, to describe that for yourself that perhaps you don't relive it? You know, you don't continuously bring yourself back there. Um, like, I'll, like, I'll personally share, for example, I was assaulted. When I was assaulted, I still identified as a female woman, now non-binary. And that part of me, when I write, I am not sure how I can begin to write something that has been almost robbed or taken from me. And it, feel it feels like it has evolved into something else, but I don't know what that language is like. It is entrenched in my body because I feel it on a daily basis, um, but I'm curious as to how women and how um, these different kinds of traumas, right, could be violence, it could be domestic abuse kind of violence, or it could be sexual violence, that how do you then describe that for yourself? Um, and, you know, it, it's a big question, but I'm, I'm just curious, what does that language look for you? Just the language itself in articulating. You know, I would, uh,
3: well, I would say, write about yourself like an essay. Don't think about the writing official stuff. And then you are writing about your own memory, on your experience. It's hard for you, but writing almost like a you start here to go to your work or to go to your school or just the kind of you know the steps you step. And you are writing about that kind of, you know, like uh, the simple, normal, daily lives, And then uh, writing, writing, writing. And then you started to write about your uh, much deeper problem and so on. And then uh, don't hesitate to express yourself. And then uh, maybe this would be difficult for uh, you, because other people will could be attack you or criticize you, but then, uh, well, I just want to say, don't hesitate, That's it, be brave, and then, uh, sometime later, somebody would find it and then uh, share with you. That happened, you know, our women issues, and then, uh, you know, when I started to write, that was kind of decades, decades ago. And when I was writing something about my body, and of course I got criticized. And then my parents criticized me and because I was in the newspaper. And then my father told me, Hiromi, and don't do that, you know your mom is sad. And then uh, 10 minutes later, my mom called me and then, Hiromi, don't do that, your dad is so sad about that. <laughs> something like that. And then uh, women writers hate us. You know, more women writers hated us than the male writers. Male writers having some kind of evil thinking in their hearts. So <laughs> we just use it. <laughs> <laughs> but then anyway, so you know, you got criticized. You got criticized, more criticized. But then uh, just be brave. And that's it. I'm sorry, that's all I can say.
2: <clears throat> uh, hey. Right is not duty, it's not duty, not duty, uh, writing is a freedom, freedom, why you have the, if you don't want to write, no, don't write, yeah. Um, Inside, inside, your inside, deeply inside, there are just uh, water and blood and uh, meat, inner meat. Yeah. When you meet uh, um, people, when you meet uh, some difficult accident, you can write. Inside is nothing frame is empty so um, follow your feeling follow your love follow and you have to fight um, someone nation society if they block your freedom okay
3: i i I would add one thing you know we are women, we are writing about the women with issues, and then it is very difficult to you know dealing with the society, but then we are also artists, we are the language artists, and I think that comes first in overall, and we are writing I'm so sorry for that to say that I'm not writing for women I'm not writing for. That's all, well, that's I think true. But then also, I'm writing something much bigger stuff, which is I think
2: why we have art. To write for, for another thing? That's, I'm
3: sorry oh, to right. say, but then that I feel you know dealing with literature for 40 years more, you okay. know, and then uh, not only myself, yeah. much but more.
0: Goal, goal. You have no goals. Goal. You just write. Yeah. Uh, okay.
3: Yeah. Right.
0: Okay. Can we take a few more questions from the floor, please? Hi. On this side? Okay. There's one here. One here. Okay. Two
6: here. Okay. Two. Uh, Thank you for the good stories today and uh, we are from Singapore and my daughter is 10 years old. And I read on Channel News HU news uh, this morning and then to know Victoria's Secret stopped their show this year. So I'm very, very happy so I don't have to buy the very luxurious laundries in order to seduce Leonardo DiCaprio kind of guys for her in the future, yeah, so so it's really happy. And meantime, in Singapore, The Frozen 2 was released this week, and then she really want to go, to go to see it. So I think, and I I don't know the story about The Frozen 2 for the time being, but I saw Frozen 1 uh, together with my daughter, and it was very revolutionary, because always, the, the heroines, the girls, waited, waiting, waiting, waiting for somebody, some strong man to come to rescue them. And always they are submissive to the stronger guys. But that uh, the frozen one was different. The, the, the guys, most of the guys, are very bad people, and then they always try to uh, help uh, themselves, the girls. I wonder. So the story is very good, but their bodies—you can see all oh, the big heads and the very heavy makeup—and then the bodies, their bodies are like thin, like pencils. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. The, the, the Hiromi-san said the the, the writing is uh, the, it's an art, right? And then the the movies are art, and then very. Influential towards the next generation. So, how they create the new stories for new uh, the, the girls for new era, and still they keep the body images like Victoria's Secrets wants to implant on our girls' brains. How do you think, and how can literature can do to 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 improve that kind of situation? That's my okay.
0: We'll take two more questions here. Um, this question's actually for Amina. Um, when you were introducing yourself, I'm not sure if I understood correctly, but I think you said that you were writing under a pen name or not under your own name initially? Or is that correct? There were three
4: stories published under a pen name. Okay. and
0: uh, But then after that, when I published my book, it was under my name so my question about that is especially maybe to your question when you are writing about controversial or maybe difficult stories or themes did you find you had more freedom um publishing not under your own name because then you know you didn't have to answer for it yeah if you could comment on that i'm so and i really related to your story uh amina's story about being young and wanting to wear strapless and shorts and all that but This concept about having body autonomy and being empowered with what you wear, I feel like it conflicts somewhat with young girls starting to express their sexuality at a much younger age now. As we can see that younger girls are showing their cleavage, wearing booty shorts, and the conflict with this is that they don't really know what this clothing encompasses, like what showing their body in that way encompasses. So do you think that there is a certain age or mental um, frame that you have to be in before you, you can express yourself in that manner.
4: To address the last question first, I come from a country where actually it was the British colonizers who made us cover our tops. So for 1,000 odd years, more than a 1,000 years, women went around without covering their, their bosoms And I know that in the Maldives also, it's only when uh, Islam came into the Maldives that the change happened. Even then, it took 200 years for the change to happen. So it's more important in how we look at these young girls. Uh, Society has become very sexualized. Those days when uh, women were going around without upper body cover, it was perfectly normal and they saw it as normal normal dress. It is then what people come and tell us. You are not modest, you are, you are wanton, and you have to, so that's what the colonizers did to us. Then we accepted all that baggage, and now Sri Lanka is one of the most repressive and Victorian countries, because we are still clinging on to the colonial notions of the body and sexuality. Uh, so anyone may want to add to that?
1: well uh, you, uh, the, the final question about uh, how to dress you know dealing with your very own body image uh, dealing with what people try to tell you I, I would suggest to you that dress up uh, to, to, to whatever of your liking okay you should see me when I was 15 years old with no boobs I really flaunt it out, okay? Short skirt. I was just telling Dina the other day, okay? I, I, I love wearing a short jean skirt, very short, okay? Uh, and to throw at 42 years old, I, I, I fold everything and put it in a box, you know? I just don't feel like giving it away, okay? So when I reach 50, 54 years old last year, I, I straightway pull the box and say, I give it up, you know? And uh, it's, it's a natural feeling, okay, it's a natural, natural feeling. I do not know whether it's social construct or what. You yourself will say, okay, I'll just dress modest, I'll dress simple, okay? And I guess I, I, I'm, I'm privileged enough to say so because when I was on stage, I probably wear whatever Pamela Anderson wear, all right? Okay, I was on stage for, let's say, 15 years, doing my job as, as a singer and an MC, okay? I've won everything, cleavage, no cleavage, you tell me. All right? And for the Victoria's Secret thing, okay, uh, we are very simple people. We love a little bit of illusion, okay? Uh, I'm very glad that uh, so many people are aware now uh, that VS, okay, VS, uh, we are not going to give them a free, what we call it, free advertisement, VS is, is, is just an illusion, okay, I'm, I'm very glad you all realized that, because at the end of the day, each one of us has to embrace our own body, regardless what size is that, what genetic you are from, okay and please take note uh, ladies in the house okay uh, when you start loving your body life will be easier after that okay we don't complain we don't let other people decide that our thigh is as huge as coconut coconut what we call it, trunk or whatever it is no don't let them embrace your body wake up every morning look into the mirror say hi sayang you look so beautiful today hi sayang you need to be positive today okay and I guess I've been doing this training for many, many years. You just imagine, look at me, okay, look at me. I am not Winnie Houston. I look like uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and I still, you know, room the world, all right? And I'm sitting here in front of all of you. That's unbelievable. Uh, short, uh, I want to simple and so
2: uh, simple. Uh, I'm studying now. My sisters, amazing sisters. Um, I don't have a bra now. Too hot. Bra? Brazier, no, brazier. no bra. Yeah. In Korea, sometimes on uh, um, hot day, I no bra. Many times no problem because that is push my heart. So, many stress. So, so my free friend or my old guys, oh, what this, (laughs) you are crazy. But, but I'm okay, Uh, comfortable is nice. Comfortable, yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
2: So uh, freely and comfortably, you live. Uh, go ahead. Okay.
3: Okay. Uh. You know, I'm wearing this kind of stuff, and then, I, as you know, in, in, jeans, the same jeans for 40 years. And of course, <laughs> buying the new things. And then uh, this is my formal clothes. And then anytime I talk in front of people in summer, I'm wearing this. Of course, you know, not the same one. And I have several. But then uh, always white. And then uh, when I teach in school, I'm always wearing uh, black shirts, That's it. And then uh, so once I decided to wear that kind of stuff, my costume, my my uniform, myself, it's. Easy, and I was not wearing bra, of course. But then uh, now these days, I am sixty-four, and if I'm not wearing bra, my nipple here, <laughs> So you know, I'm wearing you know kind of sport bra these days, which is kind of tighten up me. Yeah. And then uh, your comment about uh, uh, frozen, I think more, more Anna is much better for us, because <laughs> thinking about the body of Moana is really like us. Right. So, don't you think of in here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we have the last five minutes of the session, so I'd like to invite, with your permission, to have the writers read a bit. Do you have anything uh, on the phone? Oh, uh, do you, have you memorized the paragraph? Oh, is there someone here? Oh. Yeah. Okay,
1: all right. Thank you, Jerome. Okay.
0: okay. Shall we begin with Hiromi because she'd like to read something in Japanese? Let's yes.
3: Know, they don't Doesn't matter.
0: No, never mind. We're international. <laughs>
3: ホロボシ <滅ぼして>、Thank you, Hiromiya. Okay. Would you like to read in Korean? No? Okay.
0: All right.
1: Mama? I just want to conclude uh, the whole uh, conversation today about well-being, embracing your body, And if you are a writer, okay, you will find uh, ways to creatively write on how to encourage body-loving female, all right? And uh, we'll always want to encourage the up and coming generation uh, to not fall into our terrible uh, social construct, the old social construct, okay? Come on, let's move forward. Let's let's have a good life, okay? Uh, we can be flat, we can be bosomy, whatever it is, but please love yourself.
0: Thank you.
4: Do we have time for a of read or course. shall I? So the story, I'm going to read an excerpt from a story titled Beauty's Mother and uh, it's a, a lady who gives birth to a really beautiful child and a really beautiful woman in a family of uglies. So this is her pride and her, and her uh, achievement and they're getting ready to go for a party. So. That evening, Beauty's mother began to get ready for the party. She wrapped her six yards of silk around her, chose her makeup and jewelry carefully, and slipped on her low-heeled beaded slippers before making her way downstairs to wait for Beauty. Imagine her horror at seeing a black shrouded shape descend the stairs and take her place beside her. Batan, her mother said hesitantly with fear, is that you? Yes said Beauty's voice, strong and confident. What's the meaning of this, Ushuru? Again, said Beauty's mother, with confusion and disappointment, tinting her voice. I have decided, said Beauty, with command and strength, to wear the abaya. But you can't, wailed Beauty's mother. You can't do this to me and tell the believing women to lure their gaze and protect their private parts and not to show off their adornment expe- except only that which is apparent and to draw their veils all over their juhubina, and to not reveal their adornment except to their husbands their fathers their husbands fathers and, and the verse goes on the quranic verse beauty's voice resonated with a fervor her mother had never heard from her before her eyes shone luminous and strong, and her hand outstretched wagged a stern finger at her mother. Beauty's mother decided to resort to sternness, and so she wagged her finger back at her recalcitrant daughter and said, you go right now, young lady, and change into something else. You can wear a shalwa kameez or a sari, but I'm not going anywhere with you in that garb. Fine, said Beauty impudently. I will then stay, I will then stay home. I don't even want to go for this silly party, so this works out for both of us. Beauty's mother was at her wit's end. This is not how she envisioned how things would go. Ushuru, she wheedled, enough of these silly games. We will discuss this later. Just go and change into something, change into anything, and we will talk about this with your father later tonight. No, said Beauty firmly and determinedly. I will come with you like this, or not at all. Beauty's mother was defeated. Later that night, her husband came home to find her weeping at the bottom of the staircase. She was babbling incoherently, and at first he didn't know what she meant as she repeated over and over again. She was my only achievement, and now I can't even show her off. Thank
0: you. Right. Regina will be reading Kim's poetry.
1: I think this is appropriate poem from Kim, all right? The title is Avant-Garde. Why do we only meet here? Who let us out? I'm a sniffer dog, a laboratory read inside a light water reactor. I'm the bird freed from its cage to test if I can survive. A singer may live like a song. A poem might drive a poet, but there are some paths that cannot be changed. There are set in advance, made by wisdom, leaving a trails of blood. Because we didn't scream when it was dangerous, because we didn't howl, this is not when it's at. We didn't explode the day, all the followers' kids died. We negotiated patiently. We performed transactions with mutual benefits, but the syndicated agents covertly took the lead. Extraordinary, unique. What the hell does that even mean? Thank you.
0: Everyone, please give a big hand to all our panelists. Thank you, Amina. Thank you, Regina. Thank you, Kim, and thank you, Hiromi.